Welcome back to the Not So Rare podcast. My name is Taylor Lewis, and I am here with Liz Beauvais, and we are here to talk about acceptance. And acceptance is going to be within all areas of home, school, doctors, work, friendships, and how that correlates and how we're able to speak up for ourselves and kind of allow it to engage into other areas of our life. And so we're here just to kind of start out. I think, Liz, what are you feeling we should start with? Great question. Um, Hi, everyone. I I guess, Taylor, maybe you could tell me a little bit about where in your, your journey you started learning how to bring acceptance of your disease into your everyday life. Sure, absolutely. So something that I struggled with, I know we talked about in the last podcast, we went into a lot of like college life, right? And we talked about how that was incorporated into school. Um, Acceptance for me meant that I had something that was different than the norm. And that I felt that if I told people about this, or if I let this into my identity more, that I was afraid I wasn't going to be taken seriously, um, whether that be in the workplace or, or to be that person that people are afraid to talk to about it, or just kind of like have this weakness. That's kind of how I viewed my illness was as this weakness, even though I knew I can function in my day-to-day life. And I knew that I was doing everything I could to be successful in different areas. It was like this elephant in the room that I didn't want to approach. And so for me, it really came down to getting ill with COVID for me to really speak up to my workplace. And I think that's the struggle that I'm hoping we can talk about today is like, why does it take us to be like in our worst position to be in in like a hospital to finally reach out and ask for help. I mean, for me, sometimes I even struggle too with my mother and father-in-law live really close by. And it's like, why do I struggle to ask for help when I need a ride to the hospital? Like, that's so silly to me. Cause like you and I both know Liz, like we would be happy to drive any family friend member to um, the hospital, but why is it so difficult? And I have gone through similar internal conversations myself. I think part of it is you actually have to rely on someone else. And those that live with rare disease are constantly trying to prove that they are an average human being. They can do everything anyone wants to do. That taking a step back and saying, no, I actually need help in this area is almost admitting to yourself that this is impacting a portion of your life. Absolutely. And I think that correlates a lot to, and maybe you feel the same way of when I started to try and get diagnosed, I would go to the hospital or go to my doctors. And I don't think I was even letting them know how bad things were because I didn't want to be a complainer. Like I didn't want to be that person that comes in with all of these issues and for them to just kind of like be annoyed with me. Like that was what was going through my mind instead of me, like taking these things seriously, accepting them into my life and like speaking up to the doctor, I was more afraid of, oh my gosh, like 
I'm probably so annoying. Like here I am back again for like the 10th time in the last three months and same issues. And they're telling me like nothing's going on, but am I really telling them what's going on or am I brushing it off? And I think it was that. And I think I also find myself almost apologizing to the doctor. So if I call in a panic, mm-hmm. it's, I almost feel like I'm putting them out when in reality, no, they want us to call. They want us to know, want to know what's happening. Um, but I almost look at it sometimes as I'm bothering them too much. And I know that that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because um, Liz and I can relate on this. We both have our doctor's cell phone numbers. And it's funny because my doctor will call me or text me like, okay, I haven't heard from you. Like I gave you my number for a reason so that I could easily reach you. And like, you don't text me, but it's like that not wanting to take advantage, not wanting to seem like, um, we're kind of down too much. Even if we're having a bad day, sometimes it's just really hard to put that out there. I agree. And I find that when I have my worst days, I put so much energy into not making it appear that way that by the end of the day, I'm just exhausted from putting that, putting that fake self forward of trying to be over energetic and over excited. And in reality, I really just want to curl up and go back to bed. Yeah, absolutely. When I was in um, the early stages of getting therapy for acceptance of my disease, one of the greatest things like she taught me and something that I carry every day and try and remind myself is to stop apologizing if you're not feeling well and can't do something. So for instance, I would carry this like guilt or, um, like sadness with canceling plans at the last minute or not going out to dinner with friends because of, um, gosh, like could be various reasons. Like we all know every day is so different, but I've stopped apologizing and, And it's been really cool because it's like, why, why did I feel so bad? It's not like I asked for this. It's not like I wanted this in my life. Why am I apologizing? I, I completely agree. Um, There's been countless times where I've canceled even vacations with friends because I knew that it was not something that I was healthy enough to do at the time or with COVID. I didn't want to put myself out there and think, oh my gosh, what if I get even more sick than I am now? And those are very hard conversations to have with your friends. But what I've come to realize is my, it's also allowed me to see who my closest friends are. My closest friends are the ones who still text me and call me, even when I'm not there with them to make sure I'm okay. And are still willing to reschedule a trip for the third time, even though we've all lost money in the process because they still wanted me to go with them. Um, It, it's something that it, it takes a lot for you to realize that, but your true friends aren't going to expect you to apologize either. They're just going to understand that you're doing the best that you can and work with your schedule to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something I had to kind of teach myself too. Of, you know, we're at an age where sure, like some of our friends are married, some of our friends have kids, but then I have like a pretty significant group that's still out at the bars partying. Right. And so, um, I've had to accept that and don't get me wrong. Like most have been very supportive, but there are a few that maybe we're not as close yet. And I don't feel comfortable spilling all of, all of it to everybody, but, um, it's okay. If people don't get it, it's okay. If they don't understand or they, or they show frustration or, 
you know, whatever it may be, because at the end of the day, I feel like we have to speak up for ourselves. And if we can't go, there's a damn good reason why. And I I think it's interesting that we focus a lot on friends, um, knowing that we both have careers on top of our social lives and on top of this podcast. Um, Taylor, how, what has it been like to try to bring some of this acceptance into the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. So into the workplace, this is something, like I said earlier, it's the professionalism aspect for me that I had a really hard time, like bridging that gap of like, you have this thing going on, yet you're trying to perform like your best, which I think is, it's funny, but I think that's why like my productivity is the way it is at work. Like it's pretty high. And I hold myself to that standard because I know when I have bad days, it's not going to be there. And so I find myself like overworking that. And I've gotten to the point now where I have more acceptance, even with that. And I have open communication with my boss. My boss is just like, I couldn't even ask for a better boss, honestly. And she's just so understanding of my disease. So understanding of just like whatever I need. Like, I don't come to her unless I need something. And um, we're now at the point where it's just like, she gives me that freedom. Like right now I'm working fully from home and I'm so grateful for that because it's immensely helpful with my GI symptoms. Um, But I I would say I had an amazing experience with that. I know it can differ for people. Some workplaces are different. I think I'm lucky with that. Liz, how has it been for you? It's actually been a lot better than I would have really ever expected. Um, So when I was having the more recent flare that caused me to get my diagnosis a couple of years ago, it was actually the weekend before I was supposed to go on a really long trip for work. Um, I was supposed to go with a junior team member and really coach them. And the oncologist came in and said, you know, if we, if this ends up being cancer, you're going to have to start treatments next week. I remember looking at him and saying, well, I'm supposed to be going to, I don't even remember where I was going. It was somewhere far away. <laughs> supposed to be flying out on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, what do I do? And it, it was like a shock to even think, wait, I don't even know if there's something wrong with me, but I'm going to have to cancel this work trip. And I had a panic of, well, what are people going to think of me? This is literally two days before this flight. And I remember calling my boss and he being the most generous and gracious person in my life at that point of saying, it's okay, cancel it. I'll go instead. We'll figure it out. Don't worry about the money. You don't have to pay for any of it. Um, Just keep me updated and take care of yourself. And I, I know that a lot of that is how he handled the situation, but it also, I was forced into telling my boss that something was seriously going on before we even knew what was happening. Um, So I've been very grateful that I've, had that connection with my boss that he was willing to listen um, and understand that this isn't something that's just going to go away in a week Um, and know that if I'm having a really bad day, I can just say, Hey, I need, I need to take a couple hours and know that it's going to be okay. That's awesome. Yeah. And that has to be just relieving for you too. Like I noticed stress is a huge part of chronic illness. Like we know, like stress exacerbates a lot for us. What was that like for you to have that relief? It, it, it honestly might even be a little short-lived because similar to you, I still try to push myself when I can. 
And so I, although I know that it's okay to take the time that I need, I also still want to prove that I can function at my level just as much as somebody else who is not suffering from a chronic disease. Yeah. I still am driven to succeed. I'm still driven to excel. And quite frankly, I still want to keep rising up in the ranks of my organization. So for me, I, it does at times feels like I'm doing extra to make up for the time that I'm off, even though I know that my company would not expect that of me. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just interesting. Like, I think it's a unique population because people with our diseases and chronic illness and rare disease have just gone through so much to get to the point of being diagnosed that then like in day-to-day situations, it seems like we're almost like overcompensating for um, something just to, to seem normal. I agree. And um, for, for all of our fellow rare disease patients out there, I'm sure you, you can understand it. It does take a lot to manage your rare disease life, um, your personal life and your career, or your education. And um a lot of times those have to be intertwined. Um, I, if my career would not allow me to have the time off I need for my doctor's appointments or the rest that I need, I know that I wouldn't be able to have my career. So really finding a way to figure out how those two can intertwine together so you can still be your level of success um, as well as be able to take care of yourself, yeah. both mentally and physically. Those are really good points. It actually went into for our younger people to, I kind of urge you to think about too, if you're in college or if you're out of college and fresh out of high school and, you know, beginning a career or wherever you're working to keep in mind of, is this place benefiting me for my health? Because when I graduated with my undergrad degree, I had health science. And so I was put into a lot of like direct support care positions that were pretty taxing physically, emotionally lifting people, just kind of like, you know, a lot of different stuff going on. And it wasn't the best environment for my disease where now, um, you know, in therapy, it's, it's much more lenient and just getting to build my own schedule too is a huge perk. So I think it's good for people to start to think about like that portion into their life, like bringing health into their career and and what they see as being beneficial for them. And I also think another part to that too, is as you progress in your career, you are going to eventually have people that report to you, people who are looking up to you, looking at you as a mentor, finding ways to help bring some of this into their lives as well and understand that it's okay if they need the time, um, not every rare disease or illness is visible. And so making sure that how gracious our bosses have been for us that we're able to also extend that to other team members to help them through tough times as well. That's a really good point. Yeah. That kind of shows too the chain of things, right. With acceptance down through the tiers. I'm curious for you, like, what do you feel like, where's your acceptance at right now? <laughs> Big I <question>. think we're <laughs> just, <laughs> that's a very personal question. I, I think I'm just getting there. Um, for me, it's been a long, long two years since all of this started happening again, since I was little. Um, and in that came COVID and a lot of other life changes that have happened in the last two years. And 
I think as the world is starting to open up um, and things are more in person and it's very obvious if I'm not feeling great, it's obvious from the people that are with me that I don't look as great as I usually do, that I've had to learn how to accept it even faster. Um, my biggest piece of acceptance in the last couple of weeks is I've actually realized that I do need some additional help with school if I'm feeling sick or just not able to do it. So I've been working with my doctors to get some letters to my school just in case I need a buffer, just in case I have a flare and something more happens. And for me, that was a really, really big acceptance call for me. Um, I don't ask for help very easily. And so it was, it's still like a very emotional process to have to admit that you might need an additional support line just in case. Yeah. I must say, and I bring this up because I just wanted to add to how proud of yourself you should be because I just think it's tremendous. I took about 10 years of my diagnosis before I was ready to reach out and find acceptance in it. I was just kind of like going through the motions, hiding, hiding, hiding this disease. And the fact that you are just a couple short years in, I know it feels like probably a lifetime, (laughs) but it's just incredible. Like, I think it's awesome that you are in the position you are, even though I know each day is so different, each area of life is so different, but I think when you get to a point of starting to accept into your life, it's less daunting. And I think it's okay to do the acceptance in the timeframe that you need it to be. Oh yeah. For all of our listeners out there, if you're still accepting, that's okay. Um, I think that we're all at various stages of acceptance and it, for me, I think COVID, um, I'm going to say pause. I don't want to say that we're beyond, beyond the scary parts of COVID, but I think we're at a pause. I think that this was the wake up call I needed to be, to understand that I couldn't keep hiding behind my computer screen with my friends. I couldn't keep just pushing them off and not knowing what was going on. And I couldn't keep struggling through school when I really just needed more sleep. So I, I encourage you, if you are not at the point in your acceptance journey, that it's okay. It's okay to do it at your own pace. It's okay to bring in a couple, couple people into your life slowly and try kind of tread the waters with that to see how it goes. Um, there's still people in my life that really don't know anything about this. And that's okay. Cause they don't necessarily need to. Um, but I, I bring it up when I feel comfortable and when I know that it it'll make an impact and help explain maybe why I am the way I am today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think COVID did that for a lot of us. Cause I, that was really when I started to have acceptance too, was around, you know, the time of when I got really sick and started to be forced to ask for help. Like, I'm not sure how long I would have gone. (laughs) I'm really happy. It pushed me to find this acceptance and to find our support groups and get involved in like our disease stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that even though there's been so much horrible parts of COVID part of me is thankful that it pushed me out of just a negative, ugly state. And I also think that COVID has, um, really brought, to the forefront, the need for people to be able to take care of themselves mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. Um, I know there's a long way to just go before mental illness is as accepted as it needs to be. But I think that what people have seen from the impact of COVID and the impact of being home and 
just impact the ever-changing world we're in right now that we need to put that at the forefront. And so I think that that's also helped our schools and our employers really understand that they need to help take care of the whole individual um, and not just what's being brought in on their day-to-day basis. Absolutely. I think older generations too, it's funny because even though I work in mental health, it's probably the most I've conversed with my parents about mental health. They're starting to see it. They're starting to understand it more. Um, You know, the stigma of their generations changing. And I think that's a lot due to COVID. So I know that not to dismiss the ugliness of COVID, but there are little things in there that I feel like we're growing as a society and breaking that stigma. I agree. Where do we feel we're at today? Anything else we want to add to this wonderful topic? I just want to say to all our listeners out there, um, if you're going through something, it is okay to talk to someone. It's okay to bring someone into the conversation with you. Um, And as scary as it is, it's really okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And if you can find your individual support groups, whether, um, you know, we were lucky to find each other in our support group, but I know that there's like a million pages on Facebook. There's um, links on, on your individual disease sites, talking to doctors, social workers, finding ways to connect with other people too, who understand what you're going through is, it's just different for me than, you know, absolutely get support from other areas in my life. But I think there's something really special about connecting with this community and hopefully our podcast will bring you, you know, some good vibes. Absolutely. And something that I don't think our listeners have actually learned from us is Taylor and I have actually never met in real life. Um, We found each other through a support group, like Taylor had mentioned, and it's really been helpful to have someone else to understand your journey, um, even if you've never physically met. And I was not someone that is willing to normally just meet people that I interact with on the internet. But um, in our case, I think it's really helped us as we've been progressing through our treatments, progressing through our own mental health journey um, with our diseases. It's been really helpful to have someone that truly understands what you're going through. Yeah, definitely. I think just getting involved and um, Liz and I run support groups too, and just kind of like for the benefit of ourselves too, right? We kind of started them in hopes that we would um, find support for ourselves, but um, just getting involved in any way that you can is really rewarding. I think that go at your own pace. There's no right way of doing this. We're still figuring it out ourselves, but um, yeah, just kind of like getting into it. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to us today. Um, I hope you all have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Bye everyone. Bye.